It's October 1st, 2021. This is Ablecraft, episode 11. I'm Abel Kirby. And I'm Sir Spencer. Oh man, what the hell are time zones? I didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I sent you a message without saying what time zone I was talking about, so uh, we got all screwed up. But I need to go back to my story of, uh, I once met a PhD uh, physis- physicist, and he insisted that time zone should be abolished because uh, he never knew what time to call his friends overseas, and I just thought that was the funniest thing ever. Oh, this, man. This, there just shouldn't be time zones anymore. So, Even if you're bad at simple math, you can always Google it. Yeah, so, you know, that's classic piled higher and deeper, if you ask me. So, No doubt. For PhD. He was from U, um, UC Santa Cruz, if I remember right, so maybe, does that say something about the school? Uh, hmm. Maybe he's just too smart to figure it out. Maybe I'm too dumb to understand uh, why he can't figure out how to uh, call people. It was the guy I know in the, on the other side of the world. Well, how come I, every time I call him, he's asleep? Okay, well, you know, some of us figured that one out, but maybe yeah. he needs some help. You know those uh, older movies during like a situation room and there's like seven clocks on the wall? Oh, uh, yeah. Or they all, have a, they all have a city name under them? I always like the guy who has the wrist watches. He's got like three watches. Yeah, it's London, New York, oh, and yeah. California. <laughs> he's he's got all the the times on his uh, his three watches on his wrist. Yeah, I can I can do the states, uh, just in my head, but only if I think about it. You know, if I'm mm-hmm. not thinking about it. Yeah. So I don't it's know. It's different. It sounds like I'm going to be moving to a different part of the same time zone. I don't know. I get some some good news. I get an offer. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, job offer. I'm gonna. Congrats. For uh, Ohio. And we'll see what happens there. It's like a mix of a bunch of different engineering things all happening at once. And there's some customer stuff in there. So I don't know. But it's uh, it, it seems like quitting your job uh, and storming out of a building worked out pretty well for me. Uh, so I recommend it's, it to it's anyone. Never, it's never done me wrong, for yeah. sure. The, People, uh, they just have this like mentality of like a closed door of like, you know, their job. It's like their job. It's the only job that I got is my job. Yeah. Well, I can't lose my job. Yeah. And you know, there's like this big ass world out here, you know, so you, you'll figure it out. I yeah. knew you'd figure it out. I have to complain about the hiring situation, at least in the West, in America. This j- online job search sites, garbage. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been using Indeed. I've been chatting about that on Rare and Cat. Oh yeah, I've got my stuff on Indeed. I'm telling you what kind of stuff comes through. It's all shit. Yeah, they never pair you with anyone who really cares to hire you, and every single one of these has a disclaimer at the bottom. Yeah, you, we're not accepting uh, anyone who needs visa sponsorship, because what happens is as soon as the job posting is online, they get a hundred candidates from I don't know Colombo and from from everywhere outside people who want to, you know, I've got a degree from the University of Pakistan and I want to get a job in America. They, yeah. they, but you have to sponsor my visa to do that. You know, it's like, come on. And so hiring people don't want to deal with that. Uh, so they have HR departments do it and HR departments pay companies to filter resumes. And then it becomes a game of getting to the top of a pile of shit to get noticed. And so <laughs> right. I was on this website and some other things, you know, looking for pl- looking for a place to go for weeks and weeks. I couldn't get anything good. I made a couple cold calls, uh, and one of them, I, I reached out to someone on Monday, and I got an offer on Friday. It, Beautiful. Just, they, they didn't have a position posted anywhere, you know? And so 
I think that's yeah. my advice now is is avoid these websites and really you can just call people and ask for a job still yeah. uh, or send them an email. And Do your you, own little reverse prospect. Oh, it's it's uh, it's such a better experience too. I didn't even interview. They gave me an offer letter. I, I interviewed on the phone twice. They said, "You want to move to Ohio?" Yeah, okay. Sure. Nice. Uh, I don't know. There it's, you go, man. Uh, fingers crossed. You know, I don't want to celebrate too. So I'm thinking I'm going to accept it too. I just wanted to check with you first. <laughs> oh well, uh, let me uh, shake the eight ball here. <laughs> Should Abel Kirby accept the Ohio job offer? Oh boy, are we really doing this? Now I'm nervous. Do you uh, want to know? Oh, reply hazy, try again. Uh, That's all right. It's it's typical of the bull to become okay. hazy down here. Well, okay. Uh, I'll try again after the show, and, uh, yeah. and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll try where there's less pressure. Yeah. <laughs> we had uh, some cool stuff in Podcasting 2.0 uh, news this week. Uh, I had a little discussion. I had another idea because we knew we were going to have a bunch of podcasters uh, who didn't have value-enabled uh, podcasts uh, trying to interview Adam Curry. Uh, and, uh, Good Lord. Good Correctly gave them shit for not having a note. I'm uh, referring right. to the hog story, of course. Yeah, yeah. And so, I've... I went back and forth with uh, with uh, Benjamin Bellamy, uh, the, the pod friend guy. And I don't think there's a way for any of these apps to do this yet. But one thing that I think could be a great on ramp solution is if the the app like Curio CurioCaster, if it was Podfriend, yeah. or any one of these value enabled podcaster wallets. Well, you can already send sats to them through invoices, but if you could send sats to your wallet by key send, then you can use that as your podcaster wallet. You can direct your value tag to your uh, to whatever app you're using, and that might be the easy way to onboard people. That would be nice. I think it's node specific now, but it, Bellamy isn't Bellamy the Castapod guy. Um, part, but um, you're right. It was Pod Friend Martin. Martin. You're, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, it I, just hit me, but I had to. <laughs> I had to parse it mentally. I, I can't go to those developer meetings. I guess they have a developer call. Uh, Alex Gates runs with. Apparently, yeah. it's it's just. I've been a, to a few of them. Is it? Just, I'm, I'm always the dumbest guy in the room. Is it really just Sir Alex Gates yelling at uh, Brian of London? Uh, I mean, <laughs> if you drew a caricature uh, from like a street artist, then yeah, that would be it. Uh, I need to. I saw some of them were posted. I need to go review them and uh, find out they don't advertise them the right way. They got to have a post an hour beforehand. Uh, I know. To let people there's know. a there's a website that uh, they keep the calendar on. It's yeah. like they do it on a Saturday and then they do it on a Wednesday or something like that. It's like alternating every other week. Yeah, there's people you want in that meeting who just don't know about it. You have to advertise it to get right. them to show up. Yeah, that's a classic developer problem. Yeah. They don't really know how to hype it. Yeah. They don't know. But, um, yeah, Dave Jones was posting about looking for a certain meeting where he was talking about Ellen Pay, like, in the early days. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, one of the first ones I went to. He talked about Ellen Pay, and so... Hopefully that helped him, but I went and found my recording of the call. Because <laughs> that was back when I was, I was like still in my boot camp, and then I was like, oh, oh, oh the podcasting 2.0 call, oh my God, oh my God, yeah. and I recorded it, you know. Oh, man. That's fun. The, the, I don't know what, what to do next. Uh, I kind of have a vision for the Bobcat Index, I don't even want to call it, the Bobcat Feeder, um, I yeah. think the only thing I'm waiting for is we need some 
damn MP3s to start posting. Uh, some right. some correctly mastered ones, and I I've, I've fallen behind on that. Uh, part of the reason is I keep doing part time work too to uh, to try and make ends meet around here. Yeah, and so I'm I'm hoping now it's about to get worse because in the next thirty to sixty days I'm moving across the country again. So, oh, nice. Uh, I don't know. We need to figure out how this whole project's gonna stick together, but yeah, I myself am going on a little trip soon. So um, the plan is to have this Monday Ghost Track wrapped right before I leave here. Yeah, and then uh, that'll be the four uh, main songs. Yep, and I think we can all in the hopper. We can. I don't want to wait anymore. I'm sick of having stuff uh, kind of sitting on the loading dock waiting to ship out. Sure. Um, some of these are nearly ready. They need another pass on it, and then they're ready to get posted. With uh, I even have some some interesting stuff. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast here or not, but uh, subtitles. There's an SRT file I've set up with timing with the lyrics. So if you enable lyrics when you listen to our songs on podcast, you put out it comes up like karaoke lyrics. Very cool. Yeah, I like uh, that. It, it's not quite karaoke affected. Um, the you know, where it has the bouncing ball, follow the bouncing ball kind of thing. Or sure. it fills in the text as you see. Yeah, the, the colors change or whatever. Yeah. It's The capability to do that exists, but not in the SRT format. And no one's interested in using the, the format you want is the uh, the .ass, uh, the .ass, uh, <laughs> which is the more advanced subtitling uh, technology. It's, it was right. developed for anime uh, uh, fan subs. Uh, and, you know, like a lot of things, anime has been at the forefront of technology on a lot of these. I mean, it was the first one to go to 10-bit encoding back when you had, uh, you know, if you went on a torrent site or something, you saw, oh, the new Sopranos are out, and it would be like shitty X-bit encodes. But then right. if you go saw the uh, what anime was coming out, it was really high-quality encodes, and they had all the newest technology was in it. And, the, you know, it's just because the fan base, who watches anime? Uh, a bunch of nerds, okay. And so they pushed the... The limit with soft subs and karaoke effects that could, so you could have uh, the Japanese language glyphs at the top of the screen, and then and those have the karaoke effects. Then you have the translation at the bottom, and, and do all these different things like pasting over a side. Anyway, that's all uh, less relevant to podcasting 2.0, except I like the karaoke effect that's possible with it. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, that's a... you can't do it. Can't do it with SRT. Well, damn. Yeah. That's a great, uh, that'd be a great feature to have. Yeah. You know, uh, you're speaking of what could be in the hopper, what needs to be done. Um, and I think that we'll have this, eventually we're going to have the same problem that I'm having, uh, talking to Fletcher and, and Carolyn, trying to get them, uh, value enabled. And that is how to get these artists or other non-coiners noted and, and receiving. And... Like, yeah, it would be nice to just have a wallet. My whole philosophy from the beginning of trying to get non-coiners on board has just been the, the, the dumbass phrase, like, get in the car and drive. And that's just stemming from thinking about the comp, how complicated a modern car is and this sort of need non-coiners seem to have to, like, understand everything about Bitcoin before they get in and use it that doesn't apply, you know, they wouldn't feel the same way about a car. You don't know how, you don't need to know how a carburetor works in order to drive a car and mm -hmm. get it from point A to point B. And so I kind of tried to draw this metaphor out. And now I'm kind of finding like, 
when people are like, like you're right. When Adam went on their show, they were like, "God, we just need to figure this out. We just need to do it." No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> you don't need like, to figure. You just have to do. You it. really don't. Yeah, just get in and do it. And so that's what they come to me and they're like, "All right, so which wallet should I use?" It's like, uh, it's like coming to me and be like, "All right, I'm ready to drive. Which which brand of uh, automaker should I pick? So which you know? extended warranty do like, I want?" Yeah, it's like you know. Uh, the one that's nearest you or like, look at it, the one that's shiny to you. I don't know. The one that like, I don't know. So I was just like, just down, download breeze and I'll send you 20,000 sats and then you can start boosting, uh, and streaming stuff. So Fletcher did download breeze. He sends me an invoice, and of course, the invoice can't find a route. And I'm like, yeah. all right, this is really a great onboarding experience for my people. And so I'm trying to kind of like solve it on my end without just immediately hitting him with like, this isn't working. You're finally doing it. It's not working, you know? Um, and I get on the FAQ, and I'm talking to uh, Roy also on the Telegram. And I guess it just turns out like um, the the lightning protocol has a, a problem a route solving smart route when things fail. Mm. So you just regenerate an invoice and it'll, uh, kind of solve itself. It has an algorithm to make a better route each time if routes fail. Mm. So the second invoice worked and then boom, he's boosting and streaming sats, but he's still not value enabling a show. And I don't know how many times I have to say node that you have to run a node. Like I don't know when the node thing will kick in, but you know, even Adam said on the on the show, um, you know, Satoshi's.stream is out there for people who don't want a full node. But he also on the show referred to it as an interim solution. What you want to do is to be running a node. Every time you say node, I just imagine like a a bulge or a growth, like maybe behind your ear or something with a little hair sticking yeah. out of it. It's, it's like, like a... Hey. I'm sorry, son. It looks like you've got nodes. Yeah, it's a little nodule. It's like a lightning wart. You know, you you want a lightning wart that's yours on your body. Yeah, you got cri- and, crypto herpes. Okay. Uh, the, the one thing that like makes my skin crawl just a little bit, and I haven't figured out how to like address it in a polite and smart way because I'm also like just not the guy who can be taken seriously on some certain tech stuff, but. Adam always brings up the 12 words that are like your freedom and his 12 words and his seed phrase. And then he's like, I practice it every month. (laughs) Yeah. And now he just like the last, I don't know, four or five, six times I've heard him say it. He just says, I practice it at the beginning of every month. And then he doesn't elaborate how he practices it. But the first time I ever heard him say it, he said he practices it by restoring from seed that wallet. Oh, he which ha- he is a, a security nightmare. I want to say this. I want to say this to people who listen to the show. A seed phrase is your keys. That's your private keys. That's your most sacred. That's the key to the whole thing. So anyone who has access to those 12 words has access to everything associated with that wallet and is allowed to spend it. Those 12 words are your private keys and your private keys allow you to spend that coin associated with that account. So if you restore it from a backup, if you're serious about security, any wallet that you've restored from a backup seed phrase, you should consider a hot wallet and you should transfer those coins out into a new wallet and regenerate a new passphrase. And uh, every time this discussion comes up, like 
it seems like a lot of non-coiners will like make fun of people who write it down on a piece of paper and keep it in a safety deposit box. Like, Ugh, what, what, why would you do that when you can just memorize it? Which is great to memorize it, but the problem with typing it in a key in a computer is now you don't know if it's been key logged or not. It's been typed in somewhere. And I, I, I myself have had an Electrum wallet wiped from store, restoring it on an old laptop from a seed phrase on a compromised machine that I didn't know. I didn't just, you know, it was just too old and it was bloated and it had some malware on it. And I lost all the coin out of that wallet because I just restored it. And then in two hours, it just was a zero balance. Hmm. So I recommend definitely never typing in and restoring your wallet from a seed phrase. If you do, it's a last resort thing that you have to do. And once you do it, that's a dead wallet. You need to consider it a hot wallet. You need to restore it and immediately transfer those coins to a different wallet whose seed phrase has never been typed into any machine. The 12 words which have never been spoken. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jeez. I'm and figure out a different way to practice them, you know? I mean, if you uh if you, if you have a partner who knows your words, maybe you can practice it with them or like they have it written down and you have it written down or whatever. It's good to have your words in another location with someone you trust too. What <laughs> This is a great argument for having a custodial wallet uh, kind of situation sure. because when you we're trying first we started about talking about onboarding people and now we're into well you've got to have kind of CIA style mind conditioning where they implant these words and you never say them until you really need it's like you know it's that that is way too much of an ask for for anyone for me what I have is I have one physical paper where I keep my seed phrases for several wallets that are my deep wallets. And the rest of the wallets, like you're saying, I use custodial wallets when I am actually using stuff. I buy it on Strike nowadays. I've bought it from Coinbase. I've bought it from all kinds of people. Coinbase Pro. I've bought it from Kraken. I bought Bitcoin from a lot of different wallets. All of those are custodial. The only real non-custodial wallets are I've used... Uh, Electrum in the past and now just my node wallet mm. um, there's a couple of other wallets that are like uh, essentially uh, I want to I want to say one other one but I can't remember it is it Exodus on uh, on my other machine but you're right for the most part custodial wallet is just like somebody else has to worry about that shit and if something goes wrong it's their fault but that's another caveat like yeah, it's what I want to know is exactly how threespeak.tv uh works with generating wallets for uh for every channel, I think, or a a great number of of uh channels on there seem to be value enabled. Uh I was doing a survey of value for value music and it's not done yet. One of the hiccups I'm running into is the number of uh the number of items which will be returned from the podcast index API. I need to figure out if I'm forming my uh my search strings, right? Or if there's anything in the API that'll help me. I, I, I was digging in that a little earlier this week. I haven't found a solution yet, but first blush as I'm going through, there is a lot of value for value music uh, that's new uh, that I've never heard of before. And it's almost all Spanish language. Oh, wow. And the ones that, that aren't, it's, it's all coming from threespeak.tv. 
Um, gotcha. A little while ago, they had a feature where I think it was anyone who set up another uh, on the Hive blockchain, and which makes me curious of exactly how this whole thing is working. But it seemed like I was listening to stuff and streaming sats to them. Uh, so just, I don't know. But it was a lot of um, what they called the Hive open mic night, where, where a lot of these things were coming from. There's a lot of channels on there which, which are doing cover songs, I think. Sometimes it's hard to tell if it's a cover or not, but uh, just singing and and uh, sometimes they're singing to karaoke tracks. Sometimes it's just like, you know, guys singing with a guitar and it's all value enabled and it's up there and it shows up on the podcast index. Uh, so I don't have any numbers yet. I want What I want to do is get a breakdown, uh, a, like a real survey a, uh, with some, uh, some um, I don't want to say nuance. What's the the word I'm looking for? Some uh, structure behind it, you know. So we've yeah. done it in a, in a precise kind of way, in a controlled kind of way, and and so we can get reliable data. Right now, it's just my opinion after sifting through it a little. Uh, but it looks like there's a there's a lot more stuff there uh, that appeared within the last what was it two months since the last time I looked? Because on this yeah. show, I went and did a rundown once, and it was. Yep. I remember it was pretty sparse. Yeah, and some of the stuff on there were people we knew. You know, so right. that tells you how uh, right at the top, I remember there was a couple of guys who I recognize as, oh, it's our friends. We're the only ones here. And now there's a whole other whole other group at the party, too. So uh, that's good news. Uh, have you heard of Ellen Bits at all? Ellen Bits, is that a, it's, it's kind of like an, you make your own wallet and, or, or you make kind of sub wallets. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it's it. a, it's a Python server. And it can be used in a number of different ways. You can make an instant wallet, uh, an instant lightning wallet. You can actually make an account system mm -hmm. uh, if you want little wallets for different things and you don't want to expose applications to your whole balance. You can use just a specific one for a specific account. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe you could maybe help you know, piggyback do these wallets for other people. Like, you could probably programmatically... What I really want to crack the code of is what satoshis.stream does. I'd like to do a value-for-value -value version of that service just for people I know. Hmm. So that I could offer them a custodial service that doesn't take a predetermined fee. It just I can just ask them for value-for-value. -value. But then I can set them up, and if they really, really don't want to be noted, I don't want something that... A is a fixed fee and B relies on a telegram bot for withdrawals. Yeah. Like I'd rather have something that just, all right, it's clean and it just sends it to your wallet, you know, just every time. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I looked through that, um, that website. I watched some videos of, uh, one of the guys who was the developer for it has some stuff on YouTube where he just talks about how it works and what the ideas are. And, uh, for the same idea, it was the same thing. I, I said, what's it going to take to run payroll um, or to run, you know, like a, a LN Pay services kind of company if I, if I wanted to say, okay, we're going to host a wallet and, you know, put, point your value block here. Basically, you yeah. say, I'm going to set you up. Here's the pub key. Here's the, uh, the pub key that you put into your value block. And everything else, the lightning stuff, is I'll take care of that. Uh, I, now it's not running or anything like that, but I did look into it. I, I like the, I don't know. I, I need to get more confidence in the project. You know, it's one of sure. those, I don't know anyone who runs it. It's, 
I'm cautious. I'm, I'm cautious talking about to, setting up another server. You know, I'm talking to one guy in the background who's, um, I don't know. I think that he has a lot more old school Bitcoin knowledge, and uh, I was referred to him as like a lightning source, and so I'm kind of like, <laughs> I always, I always get nervous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I'm like that, but uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm just trying to lean into it yep. and own it, uh, and. He's running, when we originally met, he said, oh, yeah, I'm running a lightning node on a Docker instance, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, geez, if you could deploy a full lightning node from Docker, then you wouldn't have to worry about, like, buying all the raspy setup stuff or whatever else, you know? Mm-hmm. That would be a cool solution. But I think it turns out he was running the the lightning layer from Docker on a full node of Bitcoin that he's already been running for a long time. Mm. So, I, I, sus- I think I might know who you're talking about, but I don't, I'm not going to say it. Um, yeah, that's stuff in the background that just has to be figured out. One yeah. of the things that's cool is I've been digging into the TLV records, the TLV record situation. And mm-hmm. most of those tell you when you go from a podcast streaming app uh, and you're streaming using the value tag, then the TLV record seems like it always contains what episode and what the feed ID is. And so there's a possibility that without having to branch off a bunch of different nodes, right? just um, because the streaming apps tell you what episode you were listening to on what stream, you can use that to sort the money out uh, after it's been collected. So you can have like one pot. But everything that goes in, there's a record associated with it that says oh it's earmarked from this show and so you can always just one of the other things i was thinking about is just i have a node okay send your stuff to me and if i have a reliable way to make sure that the accounting works you know uh, then maybe we just do it that way where if i can have a dashboard that says oh here's how much is in is came in from uh, this podcaster and and then I paid them out, so uh, now they uh, now they have a zero balance, and then the, someone streams more and they get more, you know. And that might be a low tech way, like th- this is really the way they would do it in uh, you know olden days. If you wanted to rent a warehouse in ancient Rome, sure, they didn't have yeah. accounting software to do it. You had a guy, right. you knew how to do double entry accounting, and you you had a set of books, literally books, and you just were meticul- meticulous about it. So, well, I, I think essentially that's what Satoshi Stream is doing. I mean, everyone who uses Satoshi Stream has the same node public key in their in their value block. So they send it all to one bucket, and then those guys parse it out. And mm-hmm. it's just like, the reason I never wanted to use that is because it's like, okay, I've never ha- handshook or talked with these guys, and then they're going to parse it out, and then I have to use a Telegram bot, and you know, there's all these extra steps. I couldn't find a name from behind where it. I'm sitting, and then other people are like, "Well, there's all these extra steps to setting up a node, but uh, you know, they're one-time steps, and then you don't have to trust anybody. It's trustless. That's what's beautiful about that. Yeah, and it's not it's not super hard. An umbral node. Um, I don't know. It's so weird because, um, like uh, like Friar Hass was saying on the whole uh, podcast index yeah. 2.0. There's just no way to describe this shit. There's no real good metaphors. And so what sticks out to people is like the seed phrase thing, which is honestly overemphasized. Um, 
and and wallet. People hear wallet and they think like that the wallet is the center of the universe. Oh uh, yeah. But the wallet is just a just a mechanism to get things from here to there. The wallet is really like uh it's a sending mechanism. Yeah. The the node in and really the blockchain is where it is. The, so when people say, "Oh, I have Bitcoin in this wallet," or it's like, well, it's mm. not really how it works, but it's hard to really wrap your mind around how it technically works. Yeah, I'm waiting for the. Every once in a while, there's someone who'll come out and just explain things in plain English. Uh, sometimes it takes a very long time. In in another place where describing unusual concepts is hard, uh, which is uh, high energy physics and or the new physics. There was a guy who wrote a uh, a book called the Wooly Dancing Wooly Masters, and he was a uh, like a new age kind of spiritualist kind of guy. Well, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to describe him. And he went and hung out with a bunch of physicists, and he wasn't really a physicist, but he just hung out with a bunch of them, PhD types. Uh, uh, hopefully, they uh, they uh, appreciated time zones more, but I don't know. It, and he got he, he just hung out with them, and he wrote a book about all the advances in physics in the le- from you know the turn of the century back at the you know 1900s. So what's going on with quantum physics? What's going on with light and everything? And he says it in plain English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if you think about that all these advances were happening in the 1910s, even before that. And the book, I think, came out in the 70s or maybe it was even the early 80s. So it took a long time for someone to distill this into plain English. And to this day, it's still one of my favorite texts on it. Uh, though I loaned the book out. I loaned it to someone in Colorado and uh, it, it, uh, I never got it back before I moved. So my copy's Uh-oh. gone. Uh, time to go collect. Yeah. So that's kind of... What I'm hoping for is there's someone who understands that you need to be able to say it, explain it with simple yeah. terms to well, anyone, you know, and and then actually write that text. And then and a bigger problem even is like you can explain it in the simplest, explain it like I'm five, you know, scenario, and it's still not going to make any goddamn sense unless you're driving around in the car, you know, like unless you've used it, unless you've. Tr- you know, especially if you failed to route a payment or if you've taken a look at a node and opened channels and done channel management. Like, if you've had an unbalanced channel, then all of a sudden channel balancing means something yeah. to you. It's, yeah, and it's, until uh, then, I'm just kind of like, I feel like I'm yammering a lot of the times. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm not trying to, you know. Uh, so I'm grateful for Fletcher and I'm grateful for Carolyn, like, being ready, being like, all right, I'm ready to get in the car. Like, what should I do? And it's funny, too, because I told Fletch just to get Breeze. Well, Carolyn has, like, an iPhone 7 with old OS, and so Breeze isn't going to work on her. Ah. And so I'm like, hey, well, on you, let's just do it over the desktop. Let's use CurioCaster, you know? So I'm going to try and work her in a different angle. But I think if I can teach those two, like, completely different cars to drive, and then they talk amongst each other, you know, then it's just going to expand the universe a little more. Because that's the beauty of the of the situation like he came to me asking what wallet should i use and i'm like well what's your purpose man like what's your goal are you i mean really the only thing that fletcher has that's useful in the bitcoin realm is getting a node up and running and then turning streaming onto his podcast through that node like that's actually utility i mean and I was like, you know, I can send you 20,000 sats and you can play around and boost people and just like 
use it and like mm-hmm. get a little feel for it. But you know, what are you going to do once you run out of that 20,000? Are you going to buy more? Which way are you going to buy more? How are you going to buy more? You know, are you going to use an ATM? Are you going to yeah. <laughs> well, use strike? Are you going to, what are you going to do? You know? Well, I, I'm going to stick down with the the old uh, the thing we said on the show a little while ago, which is that boards like the Roadcaster, the Tascam uh, Podcaster board, that new one, they should have a node built in, and that's it. And it should have a little QR code. You push a button, yep. and the QR code pops up on the on the top, and you can send an invoice to your wallet uh, to that, uh, or or uh, not to your wallet, just get an invoice from the uh, from the. Um, from your phone and pay it on your podcaster thing so you can move sats around you know move them to your streaming app right did you see umbral's new project no. or uh product release no i've never run umbral i i have not either uh and the caveat i want to say is like umbral they have an app store they have like a system that's like semi-open you know and a lot of us open source turd nerds really like the raspy blitz for that reason is like it's totally open source and you can like go in and customize your own experience umbrella is a, just a step more appley not not hardcore but just mm. a little more appley but uh it comes with the pro of it being easier to use now i've also never used it but i i know a lot of people who do it's probably the more popular personal node to run on sphinx and so mm. a lot of my sphinx friends uh run umbral but they just launched a product that's a 64-bit uh, quad-core CPU. It's got 8 gigs of RAM. Uh, you can pick a terabyte or 2 terabyte solid-state drive, and they start at 429 which is a little on the higher pricey point. But it is just a hardware node, hmm. dedicated node. I think the, It looks pretty and shiny. Yeah. Raspy Blitz is cheaper than that, I'm pretty sure. About way cheaper. Way cheaper, especially if you don't get a screen. The screen's unnecessary. It I would is, recommend people is. not get a screen. I didn't get a screen when I bought the second setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, just run it through SSH and yeah. save yourself some headache. The only uh, the only cool thing about... Well, the screen, I'm sure it's going to have a burn-in issue or something because it just shows the same thing all the time. Right. It, it, you can't well, do this, anything with it. The it's screen just... is awesome if you have a store, like a storefront, and you're showing QR codes to people all the yeah. time. That's the only real reason you need a screen. But as far as to operate the machine itself, like you SSH or you're using, you know, Thunderhub or uh, Ride the Lightning or all these different interfaces that you'd use with any other node. So you don't really need the screen. Well, speaking of uh, storefronts, uh, there's been some announcements in tech, the tech news. Uh, was it Vodafone, uh, the, uh, the payment processing uh, hardware company? They do the mm-hmm. credit card swipers announced that they're going to integrate Bitcoin payments in all of their point of sale terminals. Well, they didn't say all of them. It's uh, presumably just just some set of hardware. I didn't see like, oh, this model number is now going to support it. But they're going to push it out so that um, I suppose after it updates that store owners will be able to accept Bitcoin at their store. But there's a huge asterisk. Uh, next to this did you see this uh, story at all i haven't no this is exciting yeah well the, the, I've, I've seen a lot of people buying uh you know food in various places in el salvador vodafone now i'm now i'm lost because so i i wrote it down on uh on podcast index but then i uh, uh podcast index dot social but then i didn't uh didn't put it in my notes so i don't think it's vodafone what the hell is the name of that company uh anyway the 
the issue with it is it sounds like they've done a partnership with certain Bitcoin wallets. And so it's not like it's putting a lightning uh, lightning invoice on the screen. It's uh, it's actually... Verifone. Just, Verifone, that was it, yeah. I put this story out on uh, podcastindex.social and I just completely blanked on that. Um, they have deals with certain wallet uh, vendors that uh, what they'll do is... On the screen, you pick which one that, uh, which wallet that you're using, and it makes a QR code just for that wallet. So if you're using, uh, I think it's BRD, MetaMask, BitPay, Blockchain.com, if you're using one of those, then you can pay with quote Bitcoin. Though sure. it's not clear exactly what's going on in the background if they're using yeah. Lightning or not. They didn't mention Lightning at all in these, and the stories on the stories I posted were from Verifone and for. Uh, Nasdaq.com had this story too, you know. So yeah, I would imagine they're probably not using uh, the Lightning Network because it's. Uh, they also mention a bunch of different coins, right? You can use yeah, oh Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, yeah, Dogecoin currently in the pi- pipeline. Yeah, it's so. it's not the uh, the win. I guess it's a step in the right direction, like you you uh, would say, but. It's sure, not, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a step in the right direction after all. Yeah, it's just, it's not a, it's not a, the celebration that, I, it's not the the end of Return of the Jedi with all the yeah. Ewoks celebrating, you know. What it will bring is slightly more confusion. Yeah. Um, and Which, pe- hey, uh, you thought there couldn't be more confusion? Well, buckle up, buttercup. Yeah. It's, the term pay with Bitcoin is becoming a, something that annoys me because what i i don't want to pay with bitcoin i don't want to pay with an on-chain transaction i want to pay with lightning right that's what well, i want still the headline bitcoin. to be it's still bitcoin that's what people have to understand is you can't have uh in it's, it's the mar- provable bitcoin the marketing can't uh can't use the same word to mean two different things lightning uh, when it, when they say pay with Bitcoin, but then you can't use Lightning, it's like, well, what are you talking about? I think the the thing that I'm looking for is pay with Lightning to be a headline sometime. Sure. People don't know what Lightning is though, so no maybe pay, no writer's pay, gonna write it. But pay over Lightning. Yeah, we'll see. Use Bitcoin over Lightning. No, I'm, no, no. I'm thinking of the dumb marketer speak thing. You say pay with Lightning, and you don't worry about the fact it's not really correct. Ah, it's this. This is a part of the problem, man. You know, it's I know. No, it's it, it it all circles back in this big neat circle to the same point of there's no way to describe the shit. <laughs> yeah. There's no good way. It's like uh the opening of the Tao, you know, the the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. Hmm. Once you say it, it's at least slightly off. Well, uh, to wrap the show up, I had a, a little technical sh- spiel. Uh, speaking of things that are uh, difficult to explain, uh, I wanted to include a little bit of audio technical stuff in this podcast as a little teaser. And I don't know if right at the end is the right place to do it. Uh, but uh, for people who are interested, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about, about uh, filters and the idea of a filter. And what is a filter anyway? We hear these things, filters, all the time. Like you open up an app on your phone and you want to check out, I took a picture, let me put on some filters. Uh, and so, but then if you go to an audio program, you might say, oh, I got to put a filter on. What, what kind? Maybe a low pass or a high pass filter. So uh, what is going on with filters and how come they have so many different, uh, 
so many different meanings for the same uh, for the same word. I think is uh, right, that's kind of thematic with uh, with uh, what we were just talking about. Definitely. Um, so I wanted to pull you really fast. What <laughs> that didn't sound right. The um, <laughs> when I say filter, what's a filter? What do you know about filters? Well, when I think filter, I think you're adding a layer to some stream of anything that pulls certain parts out and lets other parts through. Aha, that's pretty good. The it, it is a process that you apply to some data uh, in signal processing or some signal that you have. And it could be one a one-dimensional signal, like an audio stream is just for a mono audio stream, you have a string of samples that are all separated by some amount of time. And how a filter really works in that situation is is really um, I'm going to talk about a particular kind of filter, which is a finite impulse response filter. You don't have to worry about that, but it, it's the ways that modern digital filters usually work. And, and, and important idea. And really, what you're doing is you're you're taking a part of a signal. So you know, I'm at sample 12, and I'm going to kind of store that in a buffer. And then when sample 24 comes by, I'm going to add it back to sample 24. And that would that's an example of a delay. Where what I've done is I've just taken uh, as these samples are flying by in memory, you know, they're playing out, the the file's playing through, I can take a sample and then I can add it back in to, an, to a later part of the signal. And then if I continually do that, I can have an effect like a delay. And it turns out that a lot of other effects that you don't think of as being filters, like delays and reverbs, are actually pretty good filter implementations. Uh, the The general idea is that you have access to all of the past data in an audio signal. So I know what happened, you know, I don't know what the future audio samples are gonna sound like, but I do know what the previous ones were. So if, if I wanna say, oh, take whatever happened a second ago and add it back into the signal, then, you know, that's a simple way you could do a delay. If you'd wanna do a reverb, well, it turns out reverbs are, honestly, they're just delays that have a very short delay. Uh, if you wanna emulate the sound of a room, what you can do is say, oh, there's a reflection off the wall in front of me and behind me and above me and below me, and they all come in at very slightly different times. And so what I can do is have six different delays for each six sides of the room that I'm in. And mm. I can even do the math and say, you know, sounds traveling at this many feet per second, and that wall is that far away and that far away, and you just add them together uh, and realize that when the reflection happens, some energy is lost. And so you, you don't just really add them, you you attenuate them a little and add them back together and you get a, uh, a reverb kind of effect. And if you continue that past, so there's the first reflection off the wall, you say, well, okay, that gives me the first reflection in the room. Then I can solve for the second order reflection and say, well, off from uh, maybe the wall in front of me, some of that could bounce off the ceiling too. And so there's, it turns out there's just more and more paths. And so one way that you can make a reverb uh, effect is by just running the simulation, say, oh, I'm going to count up to 20 reflections and uh, add them all back in. And that's a kind of filter. When you do that, because all these sound waves are interfering with each other, you end up with, it's not just a delay effect. It sounds like you have an EQ on it too, because some of these frequencies will add up constructively and make it a little louder, and some will add up destructively and make it quieter. Uh, so there's a really rich effect that comes in when you do a reverb uh, 
when you do it well, a good reverb sounds really, uh, really special. And it has a lot more properties than just kind of like an echo. It gives you the feeling of the space you're in. Um, then there's sort of a special class of that where if instead of trying to simulate a room, what if I just wanted to um, smear out my signal? So what I, what I could do is say, uh, I'm just going to take samples as they're flying by and I'm going to not just add them back into the... Uh, to one particular, so I'm not gonna say, oh, I, I take sample number 12, and then I add it to sample number 24. You say, well, I'm gonna take sample number 12, and I'm gonna add it a little bit to sample 20, and a little bit to sample 21, and a little more to sample 22, and a little less to sample 23, and a little less. And so you can kind of take that uh, audio data and smear it out. Mm. And that's one of the ways that a, a low-pass filter is made. And so, anyway, that's all I really wanted to talk about, just to give a flavor of, uh, of what's going on behind the scenes, a lot of a lot of things can be done with filters and one dimensional uh, one dimensional signals and two D signals. A lot of filtering uh, that you might have for images actually does work the same way, but instead of taking data from one part of uh, from one pixel and mapping it, well, to another, you map it to an area and things like that. If you want to make a blur, you sure. want to make sharpens. There's there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do with it, and it goes or you into only only map the shadows or only map the highlights. You can. You can do a hell of a lot, and uh, it's the basis for so much cool technology. It, I mean, you can even interpolate signals with filters. If I want to convert, say it's a 44.1 kilohertz sampled audio signal, and I want to upsample it to 96 kilohertz, how does one do that? Well, it turns out one of the fastest way to, ways that you can do it is a filter interpolator. And if you care about hmm. that, you can go look it up. But not a lot of people think about it that way. But it is uh, the the correct way if you if you study signal processing. That's one of the things that you learn how to do is filter interpolators and polyphase, multi-rate, uh, parallelize filters that do shit really fast. It's a uh, it's a cool industry. And so I I don't know. I just wanted to talk about filters a little bit, and uh, maybe it sparks some curiosity in one of the listeners can look into how some of these effects uh work too and it's uh, it's a lot of fun but anyway excellent <laughs> that's all i had uh, it's just a little ramble so um unless you got anything else i think we can oh. close this up we get news no, I, I think that's i think that's a great uh this is a great scooting uh, on the filters yeah all right well until next uh next week i've been abel kirby and i've been sir spencer adios adios